Well, good afternoon and welcome to Talk of the Towns. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is aired on WERU Community Radio since 1993, dedicated to the proposition that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be of benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I'm your host. At this point, I'm your co-host because I'm welcoming Liz um, Graves to um, the studio, and uh, I'll introduce her a little bit more in, in, the, in, the, in the minute. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk to the towns. A reminder that we're just recording this program in advance, and we won't be taking any calls today. Well, for the most part, you can get there from here, thanks to the dedication of those who take care of our road systems. At the town level, that might be a whole public works department or a road supervisor with a budget to contract for services. So on this program, we're talking with representatives of um, Ellsworth and um, Tremont to talk about how they take care of their roads. And I'm very happy to, to welcome uh, Lisa Sikulich of the Ellsworth, she's the public works director of Ellsworth, and Jesse Dunbar, town manager of the town of Tremont. But I also want to introduce Liz Graves. Um, Liz, uh, thanks so much for agreeing to be co-host here on Talk of the Towns. Um, I started out the program many years ago with Jill Goldthwaite. So you're um, coming in uh, with, with uh, a good reputation um, to, to uphold. Um, Liz, you were uh, for many years the editor of the Mount Desert Islander newspaper. Um, and then you've recently taken a position as uh, the town clerk of Bar Harbor. Tell us about um, uh, those, those positions. What, what interests you now about Talk of the Towns? Yeah, thanks so much, Ron. I'm very excited to, to be here. I'm one of a number of people in, in my generation who say we want to be like Ron Beard when we grow up. So here's, here's one concrete step. Um, I was privileged to be the editor of the Islander for two and a half years. And before that, I worked for a number of years under the founding editor, Earl Brecklin. Um, and both in those roles and in this one here in the town office, I'm so grateful that um, I feel like I get, I get um, time and a half or double time in terms of how long I've lived here. I haven't lived here very long, but I've had the privilege of getting to know and talk with about substantive things, a lot of people, um, and talk with them about things that are important to them. Um, so I'm excited to, to do that in, in this capacity as well. Great. Great. Do you remember um, any particular um, stories that, that uh, jump out at you uh, in terms of, of that, the depth of those conversations, for instance, um, anything that comes to mind? Sure. Okay. I got three and two of them are connected to what we're doing today. One is um, my last few months at, at the paper in 2020 after um, the death of Tristan Colquitt who was a beloved summer resident and member of the Bar Harbor Fire Department. Um, I wrote a story about a boat that his, he and his family owned that had gotten restored and um, Tris didn't get to see it, uh, didn't get to sail on it once it was restored because he was quite ill, but he did get to see it sitting on its mooring in his last few weeks. Um, and I had the best time talking with the boat folks and um, Tris's wife, Ruth, 
about his life sailing and his friends who sailed with him over the course of his life. So that was the kind of, of, of deep dive that was really, really special. Great. Well, I hope you'll bring some of those so the ideas um, to talk of the towns. Well, yeah. let's welcome our guests um, um, this morning. Um, Jesse Dunbar is the town manager of Tremont. And Lisa, did I get your name pronounced correctly? How do you pronounce your name? Eslich. Eslich. Okay. Eslich. So I didn't yeah. get it right. So yeah. thank you. Thank you. Um, so Lisa, let's start with you. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about um the, the city of Ellsworth, um, your role in that, and, and kind of get a profile so that our listeners, many listeners will have passed through Ellsworth. Perhaps they live there. That's great. But other listeners might not be as familiar. So give us a, a little sense of what Ellsworth is as the, as the crossroads of Downey's Maine. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me today. Um, so I am the public works director. That means I oversee the um, highway department, transfer station, harbor, water and wastewater departments. So um, I have a little bit of everything. Um, but um, as far as Ellsworth itself, you know, we are a city government. So, and we do have a full-time highway staff. Um, and um, I'm not really sure. What else? Well, so Ellsworth, as I recall, because I worked in Ellsworth for most of my career for University of Maine Cooperative Extension, um, but I recall that Ellsworth is one of the largest geographic areas um, for, yeah. uh, as a city in the state of Maine, and we you are. have a lot—you have a lot of roads to take care of. We do, we do. We are the largest geographical. I think ninety-four square miles. That's a lot of land to cover. Um, we, you know, you can be at one end of town, and it'll take you about. 20 minutes to a half an hour to get to the other end of town. Um, so it is huge. We do have about a hundred or so miles of roads that we maintain and take care of. That does not include, and I think we'll get into this later, some of the stuff that the main DOT takes care of. Um, so, you know, even though you don't see our crews, the highway crew necessarily every day, it doesn't mean that they're not working. You know, it's a big town and it's, a lot of it's remote. And so um, we can have crews from one end of town to the other, or they could be off somewhere remote for a week's time, but they are, they are out there. <laughs> sure. And are some of those roads um, uh, gravel roads as well as paved roads? What, yep. what, what's, the, what's the mix? Um, we have, um, actually, there's a, there's a huge mix in Ellsworth. We have... Um, you know, like I said, we have our state roads, we have our city roads, then we have um, the city of Ellsworth is actually an urban compact, which means, and we can get into that later, where we take care of um, state roads that they help, um, they give us minimal amount of money, but we do get some money to help take care of their roads. We have about still about 10 or so um, gravel roads that we do maintain, grade, plow, all that. And then we also, Ellsworth has uh, quite an extensive amount of private roads, which the city um, does not and cannot do work on um, that are maintained by homeowners or road associations or um, you know, any combination of that. And, and I think that's one of the things um, that's the hardest um, around here is, you know, with summer residents and stuff like that, they don't 
there's a lot of confusion about private roads versus public roads and why I can't spend public money on private roads. Um, so, so that, that notion of Ghostbusters, who are you going to call? You have right. to know. You have to know the answer to that. Exactly. Liz, would you like to introduce uh, uh, Jesse and, 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 and Tremont? Get him started. Yes, I'd love to. So, hey, Jesse. Um, I, we thought of Je Ellsworth and Tremont are, are kind of ends of the spectrum in this question because Tremont is at the end of the line and that you don't go through Tremont to get to other places so much. Um, and also an old news story um, talking with Jesse's predecessor in the manager position, we learned that Tremont has 15-ish miles of town roads, six miles of National Park Service roads, and 0.19 miles of state highway. The, the other almost 11 miles are state aid highways. So Jesse, welcome and tell us what that means. Thank you. Um, thanks for having me. Um, yes, the town of Tremont has approximately, um, as you said, 14 miles of town roads, um, just over three miles of dirt um, and close to 11 are paved. And we have um, 10.7 miles of state or state aid roads. Um, so what that means is we do the winter maintenance, plowing and sanding, um, and all the other maintenance falls to the state. Um, it's always a big um, confusion to people, whether it's a town road or a state road, most assume that it's a town road. It is our main road, our biggest road. It's called Tremont Road. Um, and Harbor Drive and Shore Road, which are smaller, are also state aid roads. Um, Shore Road being the smallest leads to the ferry terminal, which is a state-operated um, ferry. So it's a state aid um, road as well. Um, we do have an arrangement um, if the state needs our public works crew to do something, um, if they're unable to do some maintenance due to scheduling or staffing, um, they can pre-approve us to do the maintenance and we submit a reimbursement request to the state um, to get paid for that maintenance. Um, but in general, the state is responsible for all the potholes and replacing culverts, um, drainage along those roads. Um, most of the biggest complaints we see are from potholes usually in the winter. Um, they usually direct their frustration at the town <laughs> and the public works department. Um, and on occasion, we have just gone ahead and filmed them anyways. Um, <laughs> but our public works foreman um, does have a pretty good relationship with the DOT. Um, and he was a former DOT employee. So he knows them all pretty well. Um, so for the most part, it works out fine. Um, we currently have uh, two public works employees and we have a new third full-time public works employee starting on July 11th. Um, so we're pretty excited to be expanding and having three full-time um, employees. And this, this gets right to one of the next questions I wanted to ask, which was what uh, the, your budget process. So was adding that new position a major part of, of this past year's budget review? This year, it actually was not. Um, we had gone, um, we have 17 um, cemeteries that the Public Works is responsible for maintaining. Um, 
And with last summer being a particularly wet summer, it sucked up a lot of their hours for the two of them for the week. Um, so we had actually budgeted for contracting out cemetery mowing, um, but that didn't result in any viable options for contracting um, that was within budget. So we looked at, well, it would cost almost as much to hire a third person as it would to contract out the cemetery, but we'd have you know, a third person year round. Um, so we ended up tweaking some numbers and we'll probably pull a little bit from our um, ARPA funds um, to fill in the gap for the salary on that what, one. What's ARPA for folks who don't know? The American Rescue Plan um, Act funds from the federal government. So that was that was COVID relief for state and, and local governments? Okay. Yeah, yep. So Lisa, how many staff do you have? Um, the... The highway department, which is mostly what we're talking about today, would be 14, including myself. So we have significantly more than they do. <laughs> um, but. Um, and, and what's your budget process, Lisa, as a city government? Is it different than a than a town, do you think? Um, I believe so. Um, I'm not 100% sure if they do town meetings and everybody votes or, yeah. you know, we have a city council um, that that oversees the, the budget process with the manager. Um, I did request an additional position this year, but that did not get funded. Um, so that was, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of tough cuts this year or sure. potential cuts looking at, you know, what may or may not happen in the coming year or so. Um, but yeah, we've got 14 guys, we've got cemeteries, we do mowing, um, we do a lot of our own actual construction. Um, you know, the we're responsible, since we are part of an urban core, um, we're responsible for actually maintaining a lot of DOT owned roads year round, you know, that's plowing and drainage. And a lot of that's our, our urban core, you know, our main street, our water street, Surrey Road, um, high street, um, you know, we're in charge of maintenance. The state is still responsible for any capital improvements. Um, so basically they hand it over to us, say, you keep it going until the point that it falls apart and then we'll come in and, and spend some money to fix it. Right. So we spent a lot of time on drainage work, culverts, um, patching, um, so we definitely have a variety um, of different tasks that these guys are assigned to on a daily, weekly basis. So how does that agreement or that setup work um, between the city and the state, the urban core or the urban compact? Does the city see reimbursement for any of, of that maintenance work that you do? Um, we get some reimbursement, but nowhere near um, the amount to pay for what we put into it. Um, it's based on the size of your community. So once you're over a certain population within a certain area, you become part of an urban compact. Um, so we became, I believe in 2012, I think is when we met that threshold and took over those roads. Um, and like I said, you know, like, it's mostly maintenance. It's yeah. I imagine there's some benefit to being able to plan and execute the work yourself rather than 
waiting <laughs> for someone else. Right. You know, um, Let me just break it. in and just remind listeners they're tuned to Talk of the Towns. Our topic today is you can get there from here. A look at how town towns deal with roads um, in the studio. The virtual studio these days are Lisa Skelich of Public Works Director of the City of Ellsworth and Jesse Dunbar, Town Manager of the Town of Tremont, and happy to be joined by my co-host, Liz Graves. Uh, Liz, you were going to ask another question. Go ahead. Yeah, this is one that I'm most excited about because, uh, uh, so my understanding of what a culvert is, is about a fifth grade level. So I was wondering if somebody, maybe Jesse could start super, super basic parts of a road things things that road needs and what is a culvert <laughs> so um a culvert is a piece of <clears throat> essentially a large piece of pipe um, that is usually in the mouth of a driveway or a road um, for the drainage along the side of the intersecting road to pass through the culvert or if there's a stream or um, brook intersecting a large road then a culvert um, would be what allows that to pass through. Um, for a large one, um, there's open bottom culverts, box culverts um, made out of cement. Um, and um, essentially that's what a culvert is. Um, so it helps the water go under the road instead of yes. over the road where it would be dangerous. Correct, or instead of washing out the road. Yep. Lisa, I understand that um, Ellsworth, in the past anyway, has really taken a look at um, its culverts. Um, yes, for just normal maintenance, but also because we're getting storms of increasing uh, intensity and frequency, and that has to do with, with climate change. Um, so tell us a little bit about Ellsworth's um, look at its own culverts and, and ditches. Yes, we're in the process right now. Um with some grant money as well as some just local funding um, actually reviewing our entire city for uh, climate change and resiliency as far as storm drainage um, we're, we're mapping our system and putting it into a gis um, which is you know like kind of like a google, google maps type thing for all of our culverts our pipes our catch basins um, so that we have a good handle on what we have in ages and conditions. Um, we have a grant through the main DEP right now to replace a large culvert. You know, um, one of the things you mentioned is culverts can be anywhere from a driveway culvert, which is just a basic, you know, ditch to ditch kind of passage or a stream crossing. Um, and, you know, it's essentially the big size culverts are essentially a bridge. It's just short of actually being a a bridge span, though they can span 20 to 30 feet, depending on the size of, you know, the stream and such. But um, we do have a grant to um, look at one of our culverts that's um, aging out. And, and as we get more and more rain, that's going to require larger and larger culverts. And really, at this point, we're looking at, you know, most of Ellsworth drains into the Union River, right? And as sea level rise happens, the river is also going to potentially rise, you know, during tides. And so we're really looking at our outlets and our outfalls and saying, you know, you have to start from the bottom, aka the river, and work your way up. Um, so we're taking a good look at what we have 
what we're going to need and really getting a plan together for going after some of that potential funding in the coming years. And I suppose with, with stream crossings, um, there's, there's advantages to using that open system because of fish passage. Um, probably not high on everybody's uh, road budgets, but certainly important to um, the ecology of the area and to fishermen. Is yep. that right, Lisa? Yes. So one of the key things with Downey Salmon Federation, um, with, we partnered with them, oh God, it must have been two years ago now to take out a old dam on the Union River um, that went to the Branch Lake stream so that potentially salmon habitat, we can increase salmon habitat. And, and then with that is every incremental change along that passage is we're looking at what DEP calls stream smart. And um, basically what it comes down to is open bottom or live bottom culverts that allow not only fish but you've got um, like the salamanders or the, you know, you've got animals and people don't think about this. A lot of times your, you know, your possums, raccoons, rabbits, smaller animals use the sides of the culverts to, you know, go under the road or fish the stream or, you know, I mean, that kind of thing. And so, it's really taking a look at all the different wildlife that can use that as a passage under the road. Great. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about the, um, how did you learn about roads? Um, I suppose that um, Jesse as town manager, you have a different learning curve than someone who's head of public works, but Jesse, let's start with you. What, what have you learned about roads um, in your life? And then since becoming town manager, um, so I did start, um, my father owns a construction business. Um, so I worked with him, um, when I was younger, um, in high school and after high school a little bit. Um, so I gained a basic knowledge of, um, roads, um, construction. And then, um, I was in, um, went into code enforcement, uh, prior to becoming manager. So I learned a little more there as far as driveways and inspections of, um, septics and things like that. Um, and then since becoming town manager, I also um, wear the road commissioner hat for the town of Tremont since we're a small town. Um, so I've been um, learning a lot from public works and working with them on um, projects and just doing some online training when it's available um, as it relates to roads. So that's basically great how I've been going about it. What are, um, what are the responsibilities of a, of a road commissioner? What does that mean? Does every <laughs> town have one? Um, yes. Yeah, so it, it falls to um, like road opening permits, um, permits for telephone poles, um, as road commissioner. Um, a lot of times they have the road commissioner be the approval for um, road designs or projects um, and checking on them as they're being constructed, um, things like that, um, that are along the lines of the foreman, but just slightly more managerial um, tasks. 
And it sounds like that that um, there's a kind of administrative role in in allowing things to go forward, um, where the public works director is not necessarily in charge of permits, but the road commissioner has a, that more official capacity. Lisa, what was your path? What was your kind of learning path um, um, in terms of roads uh, specifically? You have many other duties, but roads specifically. Yep, um, I actually have a civil engineering degree from Michigan State University. And I'm a professional engineer here in Maine, as well as back in my home state of Michigan still. Um, and then prior to my job here with the city as public works director, which I've been at for about four years now, I worked for 15 years for a civil engineering consulting company where I oversaw road and bridge construction projects, um, most of them fairly large scale millions and millions of dollars um, in Metro Detroit, Chicago, Nebraska, Vermont, been all over the place. Um, so pretty um, well-versed, I guess, um, in different types of roads and bridges and um, just bringing that knowledge with me. <laughs> well, let's 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 um, take you back to your civil engineering classes. What makes for a good road? If we were to construct a road today, um, you know, and not all roads are up to, to standard, but if we were to construct a really good road um, today, what would what would it look like? What would we have to think about? Yep. So there's a, a joke or an old saying: um, drainage, drainage, drainage. And you'll all hear it and it's all, you know, we all talk about it. And then there's another one, the million dollar mile, right? So what that means is drainage, drainage, drainage. Drainage is absolutely the number one thing to a good road. That is culverts, ditches, um, you know, closed drainage as catch basins if it's more of an urban area. Um, what is a catch basin? A catch basin is like, um, it's literally can be square or round. It's a big underground concrete structure or brick, depending on the age of it. And then you see the little like grates, open grates on top of the road. And that's where the water goes into the grate, into the catch basin, which catches the water. And then there's pipes that go to and from that. And that's the system that moves the water from the road underground into a pipe and then eventually to your outfall location. Um, but drainage is absolutely the number one thing and it goes from that kind of drainage to also the subgrade or the, the, the material you put under the pavement. Um, having good draining gravel under a road is the absolute requirement. Um, so it's, it's literally drainage on, on all different levels. <laughs> and, and, and that includes getting water off the road um, and making sure that there's a, a crown that sheds the water because we don't want to be driving through puddles. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think back to um, kind of history and the Romans, <laughs> the Romans knew how to construct roads. And some of those um, are still in existence in where the Romans lived. And I suppose that's um, the case here. But you didn't inherit, inherit roads that were built by Romans or by civil engineers. What are some <laughs> of the problems that you've encountered? Um, how did people build roads in the past that you have to end up maintaining or creating? Uh, start with Lisa and then go to Jesse. Yep. Um, like you said, you know, 
Jesse and myself would be the same thing. We inherited these roads, right? I've only been here four years. Most of these roads that have fallen apart or have issues are things that have been happening for the last 20, 30, whatever years. So um, that's one of the struggles is you get handed a system and you said that you're saying, okay, now, now what do we need to fix, right? And you've got 30 things that need to be fixed and you've got to prioritize what are the top one or two and you go from there. Um, a lot of it, um, honestly, back in the day, it was, you know, blazing a road on top of trees, stumps, whatever was there, rocks, um, put some gravel or gravel E type material over it and pave it and let's see what it does, right? Um, you know, one of the big things people don't think about is, is rocks, right? So with all the freest thought we have here in Maine, a rock that's five, six, seven feet underneath the road over the course of 10, 20 years is now been ice jacked all the way up and is popping out of your road. So it's, it's a constant struggle um, with rocks. Um, we've had times where we've dug out giant boulders. You know, we think it's just a little rock and we're going to pull it out with our excavator and we get in there and we're like, okay, no, we're going to need something a little bigger. You know what I mean? And so I say rocks is a big thing as well as just sub, subpar, subgrade material. Um, right. I mean, many roads started out as, as horse paths. And right. um, then when, when you needed an automobile or even a, a wagon, you filled in the low spots with whatever you had. And that, that became, became um, a town road. Uh, Jesse, what's your experience with kind of these inherited roads? Yes. So um, as Lisa said, yes, I inherited them. I've been manager here for just over a year. Um, the the town has been pretty proactive in recent years with paving projects. Um, we did three roads last summer um, and we're scheduled. We're out to bid on one right now for hopefully this fall, next spring. Um, so all in all, they're in fairly good shape at the moment. Um, when we did the budgeting process this year, um, we couldn't really identify an additional road that was in need of a major um, repair or paving aside from the one that we have scheduled. Um, but there are, um, you know, there's the history on town roads are, is difficult and murky. Um, <laughs> there's been a recent case with um, one of our town roads that's um, dirt. It's essentially a driveway, um, but it's a town road and there, an issue came up of it needing maintenance and the our record said that the town road was 528 feet and the owners said you know well the town's always maintained it all the way to the end um they've always plowed it graded it mowed the sides of it um so we've tried to look into you know well when when did we acquire it and how long long is it um right now it's you know my official document says it's 50 feet and my document for public works to put out end of town road signs says 528 feet and the owner says we've always maintained 1500 feet so <laughs> it's um 
been looked at in the past and essentially it's the lawyer years ago said well it's probably in the box at the in the basement at the hancock county registry if you want to send somebody up there to dig through and find out the details of when you acquired that road um but it looks like 1811 or something like that so long time ago um so the roads are definitely old um since so, the town acquired them. <clears throat> you mentioned uh, paving, Jesse. Um, do you ever get to the place where you say, we're, we're just you know, putting lipstick on a pig? <laughs> you know, are we, we're just paving over some real problems and you really have to go in and reconstruct a road? Do you get to that stage as well? Yes, yes. The one, um, the one right now that we're out to bid on um, will be um, reclaimed. Uh, the top of it will be reclaimed and then some underlayment um, put down and then paving over it. Um, last summer's, um, all three of those were just um, skim coat paving right. um, over the top of the existing roads. Um, Lisa, how do you handle some of those larger, larger kind of reconstruction projects? Yeah. Um... So, you know, we do, because we have a lot of DOT roads, a lot of it, um, we try to coordinate with them on. Um, we are actually redoing a section of Christian Ridge Road that's in very much need of repair, um, hopefully next spring. Um, again, it's same as Jesse talked about, we're going to reclaim, we're going to add some gravel during the reclaim process to help make some additional base that we talked about that's decent and then you know ditching and culverts and that drainage factor um a, a lot of it you know we do have a lot of roads so we try to spread the wealth as we say we don't you know concentrate in one area of town and spend all the money on one road a lot of times we'll do it in sections so that we can hit two or three or, or four different locations um so that everybody gets some improvement in their general vicinity, um, but it's it's a, it's a tough it's a tough battle. Um, you know, we've got a little not as much money as we would love to have, but we're we're fighting the battle of you know keeping budgets in line as well as getting as much work done as we need, and and really that's why we're looking at all possible options for you know, funding and grants and, and partnering with the state as much as possible on the stuff that they can help us out with um, to maximize everybody's. Could you talk a little bit about the, the life cycle of a road project? Like there's, there's planning and communication ahead of time with the folks who will be affected. I remember hearing that paving always has to happen within a few months of the year. You can't pave in the winter. Um, so what are the steps in, in working out a timeline for a project? So the tricky part, honestly, about that is, you know, municipal budgets, the fiscal year starts July 1st. So for us, the ideal time to pave is June, July, August, when it's warm, right? But with fiscal year being July 1, you can't, at least the way Ellsworth is right now, we can't put anything out to bid until after July 1st. By the time you do the bid process, you're into August, sometimes September. So you end up actually um, doing most of our paving work either in the fall, September, October, or come springtime, May, June. Um, 
so it works. It's not, not, not ideal, I guess, but um, it does limit some of the, the time frames for getting stuff done. Um, but as far as the rest of it, now I forgot the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, communicating communicating with oh. um, uh, adjacent owners, for instance, and and uh, having to think about uh, detours and all of those kinds of kind of pre-planning issues. Yep. So the coordinating with DOT takes a lot longer sometimes than one would in the public might think or know about. Um, you know, partnering with them can take two or three years sometimes to get something on the agenda. Sometimes longer. Um, but we do try to communicate, um, you know, and then once the money is in hand, a lot of times you have to go through the design process with an engineer. Um, so things, though it may not seem in the public, things are moving forward, they are. Um, and so we try to communicate and we try to, you know, when we get grants or we, we get agreements with the DOT to get those out there and let people know this is coming. This isn't something we forgot about. We are working on it. Um, and it's, it's just, it's a, it's a process. Yeah. yeah folks are tuned to um, talk of the towns here this afternoon. You can't get there from here as we look at how towns deal with roads. And um, we have Jesse Dunbar, who's the town manager, town of Tremont and Leisha's College um, public works director in the city of Ellsworth and happy to have Liz Graves here as my co-host um, now and going forward. Um, uh, Liz, what, what else would you like to be asking these good folks this morning or this afternoon? Yeah, well, uh, Lisa just said something that I'd love to hear from both guests about, which is that this work, um, both responding to, to emergencies, to issues and long-term planning for improvements is a process, is what Lisa just said. And I'm really curious from the public, um, as you said, there's a, there's a lot of the moving pieces that are pretty opaque to the public. And what is helpful? What would be helpful for you to, as you do this work, um, to, to make it smoother? Or what's, what, how, how can your communities uh, cooperate with you to make this part of your job go well. well. Another way to ask that question might be, what do citizens need to know yeah. about how you do your work so that they can be better, um, one, better informed and then more supportive? Jesse, ha, ha, what, do, what do citizens of Tremont need to know about your job? I would say um, the biggest thing to remember and know is, um, like Lisa said, it, there's a process. Um, everything tends to move slower um, in government than people would like to think. Um, it depends on what the project is or what the complaint may be in regards to um, as to who has authorization to solve that problem or approve that project. Um, you know, the smallest, um, would be the public works foreman. So if it's an issue um, that we're made aware of, it has to go to the foreman. Um, if it's a little larger than the foreman and I 
have to discuss it and approve it or authorize it. Um, if it's larger than that, then it has to go to the select board um, for the select board to authorize. Uh, they meet twice a month, typically, uh, every two weeks. So it will have to wait for a meeting um, to go on an agenda. Um, and if it's yet larger than that, then it would require um, town meeting, um, which typically occurs in May, other than a special town meeting, of course, being called um, some other time during the year. Um, so there is a process to all requests and projects, um, but it's most helpful, you know, that people do report um, issues to us um, regarding roads. Um, and even with the state roads, I, you know, just had a list of about four things uh, Monday that I went over with the foreman. Um, I meet with the foreman every Monday morning um, to go over things. Um, so we had a list of about four minor DOT requests, but he's been made aware of them so he can reach out to his contact at the DOT and either get those resolved or resolve them on behalf of the DOT. Great. So that's something I was going to ask. It's, it's not obvious where the state road starts and the town road ends and vice versa. They're not color coded or anything. So is it still okay or helpful to start with your local municipal office to, if you have a question or concern and, and they can help the resident, um, figure out what the next steps might be. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Lisa, what would you add to that in terms of how you want citizens to understand your job and then um, use your office uh, to best advantage? Yep. Um, so, you know, like Tremont, we have, you know, a combination of DOT and city roads. So we have what we call a fix it system. It's a ticket system and we have a button on our city website in the upper right hand corner that you can click on it and you can report a pothole, a culvert problem. It's, and it's a way for us to track citizens. I don't wanna call them complaints, but comments or concerns um, as well as you can always call our office and report something. We also have a great relationship with the DOT. Um, because their Hancock division is right around the corner from our highway garage. Um, great relationship with them. We work well together. You know, if they get something of ours, they send it to us. If we get something of theirs, we send it to them. So, um, you know, or if a citizen calls with something that we know is DOTs and we say, hey, if you want to call this, this number, you can report it to the DOT at this number. Um, so that's great. It's super helpful. We may not respond, you know, to every email or call directly, but that doesn't mean we haven't gone out and looked at it and assessed it. Um, honestly, between myself and my highway foreman and my crew leader, one of the three of us is going to get there and look at it and usually within 24 hours, but we might not necessarily have the time to just inform you that we've, hey, stopped out and looked at it, right? Um, we have an ever-growing list of concerns. Um, and so we kind of triage it in a sense, you know, um, the major things we're going to get to, you know, as soon as possible. Some of the more minor things may go on the list. And when we have a free moment, we'll get to them, right? Um, some of the other things to keep in mind is, you know, we have some emergency work right now that's being worked on. It was something we didn't plan for. 
Um, you know, I understand, you know, the public has frustrations when a road is closed or they have traffic backups because we're doing repairs, but none of us asked for this to happen. You know what I mean? We didn't plan for it. We didn't prepare for it. Sometimes mother nature has a way of, of doing things her way. Right. And so we just ask for patience and understanding as we try to get contractors in and coordinate all the things that we need to coordinate to do this kind of work. Um, you know, and, and when you're trying to do road work and we can only do it in the summertime slash or spring or fall, right? Those are the times we have the most people around. Um, so there is the potential for traffic backups and, you know, it's, it's stuff that needs to get done. And the whole, you know, if we want nice roads, we're going to have to fix them. And so unfortunately there is going to be some delays and, and stuff for the public while stuff's getting done. It's, it's just an unfortunate reality. Let's, let's um, switch the topic a little bit. Um, this is summertime. Um, let's talk about winter roads and plowing. Um, uh, that has got to be one of the, the uh, parts of your year that um, causes lots of frustrations both to you and to um, uh, citizens. Tell us a little bit about what the pl plowing process is like. Start with Lisa and then go to Jesse. Yeah, so we do our own plowing with, you know, with our 13 staff out there, we do our own plowing. Um, and we do have an agreement with the state to plow some of the state aid roads. And as Jesse mentioned, sometimes there's concerns or, or not concerns, but confusion because they see our plow truck in the winter and they assume that we take care of it in the summer. Well, we don't, but um, I have an amazing crew. They do an awesome job. They um, round the clock, whatever it takes. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really the biggest reason why our department exists or why that department exists is to plow the roads. The summer maintenance is, you know, an added bonus essentially. Um, but really their number one thing that we, we are there for is to plow the roads and, and continue to make, you know, emergency access available and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, the one thing I will say is, you know, when these big storms, one of the, the concerns is, is stay home. You know what I mean? It make your life and our lives easier. If you don't have to go out, don't go out. It's just not worth it. Sorry. Maybe the pandemic has taught us something um, that it is possible to work from home and that employers ought to be really thinking about that um, when these winter storms um, come in. Now, some people have to get to work, no question, but um, maybe adding some flexibility will keep people safer and, and keep people off the road so that you can plow them. Jesse, what's your experience with uh, winter plowing? So um, as far as snow plowing, our staff numbers increase um, with part-time plow drivers. Um, so we go up to, um, we have eight part-time drivers uh, along with our currently two um, full-time, so 10 um, staff on duty when it's snowing, um, essentially. Um, foreman is in charge of scheduling, rotating them out. Um, but we, um, 
maintain, as I said, the state and the town roads. Um, and I'm thrilled that this past winter we had nothing but um, compliments and praise from residents and select board with how the public works crew handled the um, roads this winter and um, were um, told that they were the best on the island as they traveled around. So um, we were pretty happy about that and public works was um, pretty happy and um, did a great, great job um, this past winter and keeping them maintained and drivable. What, what's a, what's a new snowplow truck cost these days? Um, if you're, if you're having to replace one, um, Jesse, what do you, what do you have to budget for? We are actually um, waiting for bids back right now. We do need to replace one. Um, our two larger um, plow trucks were both um, purchased at the same time, unfortunately. Um, but that was uh, we that was back in thirteen, I believe, two thousand thirteen. Um, the town previously had contracted its snow plowing, um, and at that time they decided to switch and take care of the plowing themselves. So we needed all new equipment. So we purchased two trucks. Um, so the unfortunate um, side of that is they're both aging at the same time. Um, needing replacement soon um, and we had some large maintenance bills um, with both of them but one in particular um, this past winter to get them um, road legal and ready for winter um, so we are out to bid for a replacement I don't know um, yet what that's going to look like um, but well, give, give, us a, give us a range it'll so be at least 200,000, probably more. Um, so we're holding our breath, waiting to see. Um, but the other big issue right now is uh, getting them um, due to production. So I've been told it'll be at least 12 months um, before it arrives, um, but could be as depending on who you go with could be out in 2024 or early 25 before it shows up. So um, hoping for the 12 month, um, <laughs> get it in 23. But Lisa, we'll what's see. your experience with buying, um, again, in this case, uh, plow trucks, but um, all of the kind of equipment that you have to maintain? What's that process? Is that different than an annual budget process? Do you have a capital improvement um, program in the city of Ellsworth that you can kind of um, fund over a period of years? Go ahead and tell I'll, us I'll about that. I'll tack on. I'm, I'm curious, too, if your staff um, is able to do some of their own maintenance work. Um, I'm always curious about kind of a line out the door at a garage during a snowstorm. If plow trucks can't plow, then it's all suddenly all on the mechanics and that's a lot of pressure all the way around. Yep. So we have um, 10 uh, large, larger dump truck types. Uh, four of them are what we call wheelers and six of them are single axles. Um, we do keep a backup truck so that when we do have mechanical failures, um, we hopefully can still continue plowing. Um, we do have a mechanic position within our, our group. Um, so there is quite a lot of mechanicing work um, that the mechanic does, as well as I have a great group of guys who um, do some of the mechanicing themselves too. They do a lot of, most of them do all their preventative maintenance type stuff on their own trucks as part of just their job. Um, but a lot of them have skills above and beyond that, which I am very thankful for. Um, much to 
Jesse's noted is trucks right now are costs have gone up exorbitantly. Um, they are, like you said, a year plus out, um, depending on your manufacturer. Um, so, you know, getting your budgeting for something you're not going to see for over a year. So our capital improvement program here in the city is every year I submit capital improvement requests. Um, that's anything that's over $10,000 that has a useful lifespan of, you know, 5, 10, 20 years. Um, luckily, we are in the position where we've actually got a lot of our bigger equipment in the last few years. So the only thing we're really looking for at this point is plow trucks. Um, but we also have graders and loaders and sweepers and you name it, we pretty much probably have it. Um, mini excavators we rent. We actually rent a larger excavator every summer for six months to do our bigger construction type work. We found that we actually save money that way because we don't have the, as much of the maintenance costs um, and we get a newer machine um, you know every couple of years it's a brand new machine essentially from the rental company so that's been a great thing we rent um, in the summer and or in the spring and the fall we rent a large roller for our gravel roads so that once we grade them we can compact them and again the cost to benefit ratio on that is amazing um, or, you know, we rent it for a month in the spring, a month in the fall, no maintenance costs, but we get the product that we want. Um, so we do a lot of mixing and matching with renting, owning, maintenancing, um, and just trying to get access to as much of the equipment we need in the best fiscally responsible way. So making me want to go to a touch a talk event and make sure I know the difference between all these different, it sounds so fun. Well, let's let's um, we're, we've got about five minutes left uh, or so. Um, are there other issues or concerns that we haven't thought about or asked about um, as you th um, think about maintaining and keeping your roads in good shape and and how you work with citizens? Um, what else would you like citizens to know about roads in your in your respective communities? Jesse, anything to add to that? Um, I think all I would add is um, that. Uh, Similar to Ellsworth, um, Tremont has a um, sustainability committee that is working um, very hard on many um, climate and uh, resiliency projects um, in town. There's, as Lisa said, a lot of grant money related to um, coastal resiliency and um, flooding and things like that. So um, they're looking at a lot of things um, for improvements to infrastructure as it relates to that. Um, and Tremont did recently get a um, FEMA direct technical assistance grant, um, which was, we were um, honored to be one of 20 um, cities or towns or tribal um, places across the country. Um, there was over a hundred applicants and they chose 20. Um, so that means we will have um, basically free support from FEMA um, regarding- FEMA, FEMA is the emergency management agency? Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, Federal Emergency Management Agency. Um, and so they will provide 
free direct technical assistance as it relates to uh, resiliency projects and um, climate projects, um, basically helping us with identifying grants and funding and applications and um, engineering, different things like that. It's not a monetary grant, but it's a um, it'll be a big help to the town and the sustainability committee um, moving forward with all of these moving parts as it relates to resiliency. Great. Lisa, what would you add to that? You know, I think we've hit on a lot of the key topics and a lot of great discussion. Um, and I think I just want to reiterate the great job that you know, DOT in, in towns and cities across the country are doing, um, you know, with staffing shortages and there's new requirements um, that came down the pipeline at the beginning of the year for CDL, um, commercial driver's licenses. They're now harder to get than they once were. There's a lot of training and um, schooling type time required for that license if you don't have it already so anybody up and coming I think it's going to it's in some ways this is a thankless profession the public works department thankfully again like I said my my crew is amazing it's a hard job and and it's going to I think be harder and harder to continue to fill those roles yeah, you're asking people to have some a little compassion. And uh, I know from Liz and I, we are deeply appreciative of the work that you are doing and in our own towns, um, the work that uh, makes sure that the roads are, are safe, plowed in the wintertime and maintained in the, in the rest of the year. We've come to the end of our hour. Be sure and join us from four to five on the second Wednesday afternoon of each month for Talk of the Towns. Podcasts of our programs can be found in the archive section of the WERU website. If you've got comments or suggestions for topics, please email us at news at weru.org. Our theme music is a medley from Coronac on a Balnain House Highland music recording. Thanks again to our guests, Lisa Sekelich of um, Ellsworth's Public Works Department. She's the director there. And Jesse Dunbar, the town manager of Tremont. Um, Liz, a, a, a one-line sentence from you. Um, thanks for being with us. Liz? All right. Thank you so much to Jesse and Lisa. This was a great kickoff. Thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to um, Amy Brown and Joel Mann for engineering our program. Stay tuned for Ralph Nader Radio from 5 to 6 and Jazz Straight Ahead with Larry Stahlberg from 6 to 8. This is Ron Beard, co-producer and co-host of Talk of the Towns, wishing you a good afternoon.